Hello and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Terry. And I'm Bridget. According to the World Health Organization, 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression. Yet at any given time, we can feel entirely alone in our battle. By sharing our stories, we can learn what works for other people, compare our experiences, and share the lessons and resources we've uncovered. Because while we've all heard the statistics, numbers don't tell the story. People do. So today's episode, we are going to focus on the fact that you don't actually have to have depression yourself to be affected by it. And anyone who lives with or loves or supports or is in a relationship with or maybe even just works with somebody with depression already knows that. Absolutely. It affects a lot more than just the individual. There's actually a syndrome called empathy and compassion fatigue or exhaustion, and it's often used in the context of therapists and police officers, paramedics, those kind of people. But I'm reading an article from counselingpsychology.org written by Amy McNamara, who is a licensed marriage family therapist, who says that she has it. And she believes that anyone who cares for another individual feels emotional, physical, and mental fatigue from it. And I also think, you know, let's go back to that list that you said. Um, and, and I think if we just take one quick moment to kind of dive deeper into that and actually feel it. Like imagine you're married to somebody who's often unhappy, critical, and negative. That's not easy. Or sad and shut down and withdrawn. Yeah, or in bed, or I mean, you name it, it's got a million faces, but you know, any way you slice it, it's not easy. No, imagine that you're a child, you know, and one of your parents, or maybe both of your parents are struggling with depression, and you kind of feel that they're not really available to you in an authentic way. Because they're not really really available to themselves. Exactly, exactly. Imagine if your best friend, for example, were really struggling with depression Mm -hmm. and how that changes the dynamic of friendship. And how you might often take it on and feel that you had done something, said something, not done something, not said something that triggered it when it might have nothing to do with you and probably doesn't. Or you're responsible for fixing it, you know, even though you don't know how and they may not want you to. And, 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 Imagine that you're a parent with a depressed child. I mean, how do you help them with that? How do you fix it? Who do you take them to? What do you do? Well, let's listen to Adele. I had the chance to meet with her. Uh, She's in Albuquerque, and she has sort of the double whammy of both a child and a husband. So Mm. she's going to give her voice to depression today. Well, it's, it's exhausting, you have to recognize that it's it's really exhausting because you never probably saw Ed Sullivan. I did, but you remember the guys what were spinning the plates on the end of sticks? That's my life, you know. And if a plate falls, I feel I have really not done my job. Adele's job includes supporting her 77-year-old husband who suffers from depression and their daughter whose diagnoses include bipolar and borderline personality disorders and OCD. So I just feel stuck. Mm-hmm. Like I'm in the middle of a shit sandwich. <laughs> One of the worst parts is that despite decades of laser focus, unconditional love, and enviable resourcefulness, Adele keeps running into the brick wall of an undeniable truth. Realizing this is something I can't fix because I'm a fixer. Mm-hmm. You know, you show me a, a nail and man, I'm the biggest hammer you ever saw. 
How frustrating as a fixer is it for you to have, you know, the two people you love most in the world unfixable? Pretty near unbearable. Stigma adds to both the frustration and the enormity of the task. Every time a new diagnosis or crisis emerges, Adele has to start again from square one. We're reinventing the wheel. You know, here we are. We don't know what to do. We, I'm calling and calling and calling and calling. And again, if this, had, if this was something that people talked about, then we wouldn't have had to go through all these steps to come to some avenue of treatment. We have to pool our information mm -hmm. because it's, it's like we're learning a foreign language. Alone. Yeah, yeah. No Rosetta Stone here. <laughs> <laughs> I, how do you, you, every time I see you, you look wonderful, you have a smile on your face, and I know all that is going on in your world. How do you do it? I'm going to give you a hug and then I'll ask you more questions, but I just can't see you over here hurting and not doing that. Is this too hard? Do you want to stop? No, it's okay. You sure? Yeah. You, you, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Give me a moment. Yeah. All right. I mean, if it's... It, yeah, I'm doing this because it, it'll help somebody. It'll help somebody. Yeah. That helping spirit is both what drives and exhausts Adele. But she's convinced that sharing our stories offers hope and needed information to others who are suffering. People talk about breast cancer. They don't, they don't say breast cancer. She has breast cancer. You know, they say, I've got breast cancer. Right. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor of breast cancer. And would you give money to... It's just normalizing. It's normalizing something that happens to one out of five people in this country. And probably... One out of four or one out of three and a half, if you think about all the ancillary people that are involved in treatment, the life, the, the, the dealing with the issues and whatnot. And that sharing, that normalizing, doesn't have to occur on a stage or in a book or on a podcast. Everyday interactions offer opportunities, too. You just mentioned something or somebody drops some sort of clue and you go, Oh, you know, and then I would get the, the stories, you know, my son, my daughter, my father, my mother, my uncle, my aunt, you know, and people have to get it out. They just have to get it out. That need for an outlet, for support and understanding can start young. And Adele is one of many convinced that schools need to start addressing mental health as part of physical health so that issues can be identified, addressed, and treated at their early stages. If, if the school would recognize it, mm -hmm. if they would recognize it and, and, and not only maybe teach it or broach the subject, but give people a safe place in school, you know, I mean, one out of five. One out, I mean, that's those are the statistics. One out of five. You've got 30 kids in a class. You've got six kids who are really hurting. In just that one classroom. Just that one school. Yeah. But once again, as often happens at this point in a discussion about mental health, the problem is much easier to identify than the solution. I ask, wouldn't a school counselor's office work? Adele's reply... Well, you know, what's the first thing they cut? 
But then there's the stigma of having to walk into the counselor's office. And then they know. And then you're fucked. It's hard to stay hopeful and positive after dealing for decades with these issues and the pain they so obviously cause. It can even be harder to take care of yourself in the process. I wait until the house is quiet. And then, and then I have my time. If I want to read or if I want to do a puzzle or if I want to watch an old farty movie, I'll just do that because then I'm, I'm like, I'm off the clock. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I'll get a text the next morning that she's alive and then he'll wake up the next morning and have had a fairly decent night. So, you know, then, then we started all over again. <laughs> Oh, so draining, endlessly draining. You hear it in every word she says. How do you support the caretakers? We've got to do an episode on this, Terry. But we also, if we're the people who are relying on them, need to remember that when we're not in need, to A, be really, truly, outwardly grateful, and to reciprocate a bit. They need some help and support and loving too, whether or not they have depression. Yeah, it, it, it's a very, very important thing to remember. Yes, yes. And, you know, it also brings up the concept of stigma again, because, you know, maybe the caretaker doesn't even want to let a cat out of the bag and tell her friends how hard it is and what she's dealing with. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's stigma on so many levels. And the idea that I think she said, um, I think Adele's words were, we're reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. And the additional burden of that, mm-hmm. you know, we need to find some resources that I know every situation is obviously very, very different, but there has to be some structure, some ladder that you can walk up and know that you need to address this first and you need to find a good that next. And then you need to, and I don't mean to imply that it's linear, but you shouldn't have to reinvent the wheel when you're in a crisis. That's just asking too much. Right. It is. And you're, you're unlikely to do, you know, the best possible job because of the fact that there's such a time crunch and your resources are being stretched pretty thin because you're dealing with the crisis. Exactly. Exactly. And then once we all start talking about this and, you know, we can share a good psychiatrist or a good mental health facility or good whatever might help, the way we would share the name of somebody who does a good job cutting your hair or a good, good dentist. Yeah. Or, or a not good one. Don't go to Or them. a not Don't good go one. You know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll all just just getting the discussion going is the first step, but I, I recognize it's only the first step. But it's a big one. It is a big one. And Adele, you know, she said we need to pool our information, and that's that's our greatest intention with this podcast. I applaud her for um, coming forward with her experience and sharing it with others because she's right. It will help. I do, too. I do, too. I'm so grateful to everyone who speaks with us. And I'm grateful for you, Bridge. I love you, Terry. Thanks for listening to Giving Voice to Depression today. We hope that by hearing others' stories, you gain understanding, compassion, and some hope. And remember, be kind, because everybody's fighting a battle you know nothing about.